Inspired by the C.S. Lewis book, Mere Christianity, this podcast is about why I believe what I believe. Welcome to Bear Christianity. It was 1521 when Martin Luther stood before the Diet of Worms. Now, that's it's spelled worms, but you pronounce W's as V's. So the Diet of Worms, which was an imperial assembly gathered to deliberate Martin Luther's teaching. Now, since nailing the 95 Theses to the church door in Wittenberg, there's another V and W word, Luther had publicly challenged the authority of the Pope and the Diet of Worms demanded he recant. Luther responded, Unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason, my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything, for to go against conscience would neither be right nor safe. God help me, here I stand, I can do no other. Now, Luther declared his highest authority when he said, unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason. Scripture because Luther believed it was the very word of God. And plain reason because God created us with minds to think and to reason. Our ability to reason is God given. And as I've said before, faith in God is not unreasonable. However, Luther did not say, unless I am convinced by plain reason. He said, unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason. His reasoning had to be subjected to what scripture says. Now, there are many ways to break down the disagreements between Protestants and Catholics, but it all comes down to authority. Sola fide, or faith alone, was what you were most likely to hear preached from Protestants during the Reformation and continuing up through today. It's the subject I began with this series, and sola fide was the disagreement on the surface, so to speak. But deeper than that is the idea of sola scriptura. What is our ultimate authority as Christians? Justification by faith alone is sometimes called the material cause of the Reformation, and sola scriptura, or scripture alone, is referred to as the formal cause of the Reformation. Now, here's some basic um, basic standpoints from the Protestant and, and Roman Catholics. So first for the Protestants, the 1689 London Baptist Confession is a resource that I've mentioned in previous episodes. And church confessions such as that one or the Westminster Confession of Faith, they are great resources to get concise statements of belief for various topics. They're also footnoted with Bible verses to support each sentence, basically. And so these confessions are not scripture and I am not bound to believe them. But if I find them consistent with Scripture, I like to share quotes from these confessions because they are much better explanations. These are these are expert theologians who have gotten together to come up with ways to state it in a very clear fashion, much better than what I can come up with. And so the 1689 London Baptist Confession says this regarding Scripture. The Holy Scriptures are the only sufficient certain and infallible standard of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience. So, end quote there. Uh, now, obviously, for the Protestant, Scripture alone is the ultimate authority, but it is it, and it is the sole infallible rule of faith. Now, the rule of faith means the essential doctrines for Christianity, the ones that are binding on the Christian's conscience. In the early church, the rule of faith was likely a set of beliefs a new Christian would confess at baptism. So for Protestants, they believe Scripture alone contains those essential doctrines, and Scripture alone is the sole infallible rule of faith. If a certain doctrine is not clearly taught in Scripture, then it should not be required or binding on the conscience of a Christian. 
Now, let's compare this to the Roman Catholic view of authority. So here's a quote from the Catholic Answers Tract, and Catholic Answers is a resource, of a pro-Catholic resource that I use a lot. It's www.catholic.com, and they have a, a tract there. If you put in the search bar, Scripture and Tradition, uh, you can read this for yourself. But uh, before I read that, let me just say this. Catholics, uh, well, let me say conservative Catholics, because uh, in Catholicism, you have like super liberal Catholics that hardly believe anything. Um, and, and the same with Protestants. We, you have some super liberal branches that don't even believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. But uh, for conservative Catholics, they have a, a high view, an extremely high view of Scripture. They stand beside Protestants and, and confess that the Bible is the infallible Word of God. So I want to make that clear. Catholics have a, a high view of Scripture, so I'm not sliding them in any way there. Um, but in, but it, but that's not their only uh, authority. That's not their ultimate authority. And so that's where I want to lay the difference. Um, so here's the quote about authority from Catholic Answers. It says this, Catholics recognize that the true rule of faith is Scripture plus apostolic tradition as manifested in the living teaching authority of the Catholic Church, to which were entrusted the oral teachings of Jesus and the apostles, along with the authority to interpret Scripture correctly. So, for the Roman Catholics, their their ultimate authority is three-pronged. It's Scripture, apostolic tradition, and the teaching authority of the Roman Catholic Church. And this teaching authority is also called the magisterium. And and so the magisterium consists of the Pope and the bishops teaching in union with him. So going back to our quote from Catholic Answers, the magisterium were entrusted with the oral teachings of Jesus and the apostles, along with the authority to interpret Scripture correctly. So let's think about this. The magisterium has access to stuff that was only taught orally by Jesus and the apostles, and they also have the authority to infallibly interpret Scripture. Well, what if you believe that that the magisterium, the Pope, is interpreting Scripture incorrectly? What can a Roman Catholic do in this situation? Nothing at all. You know, how do you argue with the magisterium as a Roman Catholic? You can't. They have the ultimate authority, the infallible authority to interpret Scripture correctly. Therefore, your interpretation, if it disagrees with the magisterium, must be wrong. This is a huge issue and one I will bring up over and over again. Uh, Think about the three branches of authority in the Roman Catholic Church. If the magisterium is the only authority which can infallibly and correctly interpret Scripture, and the magisterium is the one entrusted with the apostolic tradition, then what is the ultimate authority? It, it can't be Scripture because the magisterium tells us what Scripture means. And it can't be the apostolic traditions because the magisterium is what is entrusted with those. They tell us what they are. And so, therefore, the magisterium is above all. The magisterium is the ultimate authority for the Roman Catholic. Now, Roman Catholics are, if they're listening to this, they're saying, nope, you're completely wrong. We, that's not how it works. Uh, but I don't see any other consistent way of, of looking at it because the magisterium is the one that tells us what Scripture means and tells us what the traditions are. How, how does anyone outside of the magisterium test those claims? We can't. We just have to say, well, the magisterium's 
correct, they always are correct, and they tell us that they can't be incorrect, and so therefore we have to trust them. That, that is ultimate authority from the magisterium. Uh, so Protestants will say sola scriptura. Uh, James White, who's a Protestant that, that I've mentioned several times in, in many different episodes, um, he, he has debated Catholics a ton. There, there's so many uh, James White versus you know lots of different Catholic debates on YouTube. They're great. Check them out. Uh, but anyway, he brings this up a lot. He says, for Protestants, it's sola scriptura, but for the Roman Catholics, it's sola ecclesia, which means the church alone. Now, Catholics do not subscribe to the idea of sola ecclesia, but it's it's for this reason that I've just laid out that James White calls it that, because the magisterium is above all. So for me, that is what it all comes down to. Is your ultimate authority the Roman Catholic Church's magisterium, or is it scripture? Now, you can connect with me at bearchristianity at gmail.com or send me a question or, or message uh, on Instagram at the real Bear Martin. And this episode of Bear Christianity is sponsored by Empty ID. Have you ever been craving your favorite snack only to reach into the pantry and grab an empty box? Whoever ate the last of it just put the box back on the shelf and didn't let anyone know it was empty. Wouldn't you like to know who it was? Now you can with Empty ID. Empty ID comes in a spray bottle filled with a proprietary liquid which stores layers of fingerprints. Simply spray each item you wish to track and anytime someone touches the box, it stores their fingerprint. Not only that, but with the help of radioactive materials, Empty ID can also help you determine the difference in time between each set of fingerprints. Therefore, you can isolate the last person to touch the box before it was empty. Bear Christianity listeners receive a free bottle when they use the coupon code GOTCHA. But that's not all. The first 500 buyers will also receive the Empty ID gas package, which helps identify people who leave the gas tank on empty. Empty ID. What once was a mystery is now a major argument. Details may vary. Some restrictions may apply. Before I get going on Sola Scriptura, I received an excellent question from a listener last week. It's this, Bear, why does the Apostles' Creed, a Christian creed used by many Protestant denominations, affirm belief in the Holy Catholic Church? Now, the Apostles' Creed says this towards the end, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, and then the creed keeps going. Now, the word Catholic comes from the Greek word katholikos, which can be translated concerning the whole or regarding the whole. And then it can further be simplified to mean general or universal. So the Catholic Church, in the context of the Apostles' Creed, is referring to the universal church, every believer united to God by faith in Jesus Christ. The Creed was written before the universal church split into the Catholic and Orthodox branches, and way before the Protestant Reformation. So you must be careful when reading early church fathers who, who talk about the Catholic Church. It didn't mean the same thing back then as it does today. To avoid confusion, some Protestant churches use the phrase the Holy Christian Church when reciting the Apostles' Creed. And here's an interesting little bonus. The Apostles' Creed is thought to be the rule of faith that I mentioned earlier, the rule of faith of the early church. 
the, the truths mentioned in the creed were what was thought to be taught by the apostles as necessary for salvation. Of course, the Roman Catholic Church claims the apostles taught a lot more than that, and which is not found in Scripture. And that's why we need the Roman Catholic Church, so they can tell us all the other stuff that we have to believe, despite zero evidence the apostles ever taught it. Now, James White, again, I've mentioned him all the time, so he's he's one of my favorite apologists just because he has debated Muslims and Catholics and Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and atheists, and, and he's also held debates with other Christians on baptism and Bible translation, stuff like that. So it's, he's just a very well-rounded in his defense of the Christian belief, and so he's a great resource for lots of the topics that I'm covering on this podcast. Um, in describing the doctrine of Sola Scriptura, I'd like to start by saying what it is not. And so much of this material is found in the Roman Catholic controversy. And so Dr. Dr. White kind of lays it out like this. Also, for more information on Sola Scriptura, there is a great book with, with the title Sola Scriptura. And it was several different Christian theologians contributed to, to various chapters. And so I'll link that book in the episode notes as well. And it's not too long of a book. So it, it, that's that would be a really good one to read if you're interested in this topic further. Now, sola scriptura does not mean the Bible contains all knowledge. So the Bible does not tell me how to fix my car. The Bible is not a science textbook explaining organic chemistry reactions or cardiovascular diseases. And so there are truths in that those fields that can be found outside of the Bible. Sola scriptura does not mean the Bible contains all religious information. Uh, the Bible does not record every event in the lifetime of Jesus and the apostles. We don't know everything Jesus ever said. In John uh, John chapter 21, verse 25, it says, Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. In a later episode, I will cover some Catholic objections to Sola Scriptura, and the above verse is, is sometimes used by, by them. So uh, this verse does not mean that Scripture is insufficient to teach us what we need to know about Jesus. It simply means Jesus did lots of other miracles and interacted with lots of other people. The Gospels are, the Gospels are only a highlight sampling of Jesus' ministry. Sola Scriptura is not a denial of the church or, or a certain amount of authority in the church. Now, I've got to be careful here because church can be used in many different ways. There is the universal church, which makes up all of those who are unified to Jesus Christ by faith. How, however, the, the Roman Catholic Church, or Roman Catholics will often refer to the Roman Catholic Church as the church. Now, Sola Scriptura very much denies the authority that the Roman Catholic Church claims for itself, but Sola Scriptura does not deny the importance of the local church in the life of the Christian. Sola Scriptura does not mean that going to church is worthless or that everyone just gets to have the Bible and interpret it however they want. When Paul went on his missionary journeys and, and planted churches, he spent a lot of time training the elders there to lead the church after he left. It was, and, and, and then he would write letters back to them, uh, either correcting problems that he heard about going on in the church or encouraging them with the, the things that he had already taught them. So it was the job of this elder or pastor to rightly interpret scripture. Now, this does not mean that pastors are infallible, but it is their responsibility before God to study scripture and to teach it to others. This is a huge responsibility and should never be taken lightly. And being part of a local church that preaches and teaches the word of God is important in the Christian life. 
However, what if that pastor says or does something which contradicts Scripture? Does a Christian have the right to disagree with a pastor, priest, bishop, whatever, based on, you know, especially if they have a solid biblical reason for their disagreement? In my church, my pastor asks us to bring our Bibles and check out what he is saying. He wants us to follow along with him. He holds himself under the authority of Scripture and is willing to be corrected by Scripture. And I think, biblically, that's the way that it should be. In the first century, local churches were established as a community for believers to to encourage one another and to learn from Scripture as well. And, And again, the same should be true today. Sola Scriptura is not a denial that sometimes God's Word has at times been spoken. So the Old Testament prophets spoke the Word of God. Jesus spoke the Word of God. The apostles spoke the Word of God. Uh, What they spoke was theonoustos, which is a Greek word meaning God-breathed or breathed out by God. And anything theonoustos or breathed out by God has ultimate authority. This phrase, God-breathed, comes from 2 Timothy 3.16, which starts, all scripture is God-breathed. So next episode will be completely devoted to that concept. When Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John 3 or the Samaritan woman in John 4 about eternal life, As he was speaking, those words coming out of his mouth, that was God-breathed. They had ultimate authority because they were being directly spoken by God. However, we, we were not present for those conversations. So the only thing that the church has now that is God-breathed is Scripture. We do not have physical conversations with Jesus today to learn about eternal life. We have the Scriptures. Sola Scriptura, here's our next point. Sola Scriptura is not a rejection of every kind of tradition. Just like the word church can be used a lot of different ways, tradition gets thrown around a lot as well. And tradition for a Roman Catholic means these teachings which were passed down directly from Jesus' apostles through the church. Uh, at least that's what they claim. Now, they, they claim these, these dogmas like papal infallibility, the immaculate conception and bodily assumption of Mary are, are, are these traditions that were passed down. And again, a lot more on this stuff in later episodes. But tradition can also be used in a much more general term, just certain customs which are passed down. And there are lots of traditions or customs in local churches even today which are God-honoring. But these traditions are not necessary for salvation, and they should always be subject to the authority of Scripture. And, and so sola scriptura is not a, a rejection of all tradition. Sola Scriptura is also not a denial of the Holy Spirit's role in guiding the believer. It is the Holy Spirit which opens our eyes to know the truth of the Word of God. We know about God because the Holy Spirit works in our hearts through the reading and study of Holy Scripture. And here's a quote from the book I mentioned earlier entitled Sola Scriptura. It says this, For the Word of God to transform the lives of our people, we are, of course, always dependent on the work of the Holy Spirit. In John 16, 13, Jesus says this. He's encouraging his disciples, and this is right before he's, he's getting ready to be betrayed by Judas. And he says this, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. In the very next chapter of of John's Gospel, Jesus is praying for his disciples and, and prays to God, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So the Holy Spirit is there to teach us what is uh, what is truthful in God's Word. That, that's what the Holy Spirit does in the life of a Christian. So Sola Scriptura does not deny that aspect. 
Now, so far I've listed what Sola Scriptura is not. Now let me say some things in a, in a positive uh, standpoint. So here's what Sola Scriptura is. Uh, James White uh, says this about the doctrine of Sola Scriptura in the book, The Roman Catholic Controversy. It says this, The scriptures alone are sufficient to function as the infallible rule of faith for the church. So the written word of Scripture provides an unchanging standard. Culture changes, popular opinions change, but the Bible does not change. It is a standard rule by which everything else should be measured. During World War II, in the culture of Hitler's Germany, it was okay to kill Jews. Now, why was it wrong for Hitler and his soldiers to kill Jews? An atheist has an extremely hard time answering this question because Hitler was just another evolved animal doing his best to survive. He was a cosmic accident, stardust which evolved into a man with a brain that hated Jews. There is no standard to which an atheist can consistently appeal to outside of his own personal opinion that says that Hitler was wrong. For the Christian, however, the Bible is the standard. We are taught from the Bible that God made men and women in his image, and they have value. The Bible says, thou shalt not murder. So Christians have a standard by which they can say murder is wrong. And this standard does not change no matter what culture or, or the, the, the environment you're in says. Now, Catholics and Protestants agree on this, of course. The Bible should be the standard. Uh, however, they dis Catholics and Protestants disagree because Catholics will say that the Bible alone is not sufficient. It's not an, a, a sufficient, infallible rule of faith. Now, sola scriptura means that everything one must believe to be saved is found in Scripture. No other sources are needed. And so the 1689 London Baptist Confession puts it this way, The whole counsel of God concerning everything essential for his own glory and man's salvation, faith, and life is either explicitly stated or by necessary inference contained in the Holy Scriptures. Now, other sources can be used to teach about salvation, confessions such as the 1689 London Baptist Confession, Westminster Confession of Faith, or even children's books about Christianity can teach the essentials of the Christian faith. There are plenty of resources which tell a person about their own sin and the forgiveness found through faith in Jesus Christ. So other sources can be helpful, but they are not necessary and they are not infallible. We don't need scripture plus something else in order to have sufficient information about salvation. Scripture is enough. It is sufficient. And that is a key word right there, sufficient. Sola Scriptura means that traditions or teachings not found in Scripture should not be binding on a person for salvation. Now, I've mentioned it before, but when the Roman Catholic Church declares that something is an infallible dogma of the church, you must believe it to be saved. You cannot disagree with the church. And so for me, this presents a real problem when, when we discuss some of the issues I mentioned before, infallibility of the Pope, the Immaculate Conception of Mary, and the Bodily Assumption of Mary. These concepts are not found in Scripture, and there is no evidence of this being taught for several hundred years after Jesus Christ. Yet, the Roman Catholic Church says these beliefs are necessary for salvation. You cannot doubt them, even privately. And so, and Catholics will also try to pull like a, like a little shred, a little hint of these doctrines from, from Scripture and say, oh, see, there it is right there. We just developed it more. But it, that, is a, that is a huge stretch to, to, uh, to find these doctrines in, in Scripture. So, you know, I, that's, that's the problem for me, is that the Roman Catholic Church says Scripture is not sufficient. You must also believe all this other stuff we tell you you have to believe. 
Now, a lot more on, on some of the stuff that I've, I've mentioned. Right now, today's episode was all about just sort of laying out the basics of what Protestants mean by the doctrine of sola scriptura. Uh, and so, so I've mentioned some of these Roman Catholic dogmas that are not taught in Scripture, but the Roman Catholic Church loves to ask Protestants, where is the doctrine of sola scriptura taught in the Bible? And I will answer this question next week. So here's our closing verse. The context here for this verse is Jesus is answering questions from the Sadducees about the resurrection. And so that's not super important for for the purpose of this verse. But listen carefully to what Jesus says to them. It's Matthew 22, verse 31. But regarding the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God?